Hey listeners, before we dive into this week's podcast, I wanted to let you know this is an independent podcast and we're doing this podcast all on our own so we can deliver the content and get the guests that we know will help you with your creative journey. And that means we don't have the financial backing or the marketing and promotional tools that Wondery or iHeartRadio or Gimlet might assist us with. Now, we want to continue giving you game from the Hollywood trenches, so we ask that you help us out. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that review button. Definitely hit that review button and download these episodes. Post links on your social media. Tell everyone you know and support our Patreon for only $1 a month. Find the link at ScreenwritersRR.com or Patreon.com forward slash Screenwriters Rant Room. And if you already are a subscriber, we love you. No, we really do. And we appreciate you listening. So let's get on with the show. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rant Room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the rent room. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Hilliard Guess, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? 2023. Yeah, on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and stuff like that. I was about to say shit like that, but I'm trying to be nice to be a man. But you said it anyway. So <laughs> here we are. Yes. Yes. I feel, yes. I feel respectful when DMA is in the building. You got to put respect you. on that. Okay. Okay. We got, yes. Uh, I'll keep my, uh, I'll think about my, I'll, I'll, I'll think for two seconds before I speak next time. So Thank I you. just speak. Thank you, Mr. Derrick. <laughs> um, so we're just going to go ahead and jump into the show. How you doing, Chris? What's happening? How you? What, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I just, you know, I'm trying to get closer with this play I want to do. Uh, to So I'm excited about that. Um, that was this week. I just, you know what? I want to give like a quick shout out to, to Richard Delancey and to Gael Abastin for supporting the show this week, um, which is really cool, which I didn't expect, but I love that. Um, and I'm just... Uh, I'm just I'm just thinking about what we're doing right now. I mean, I, I read this morning that the DGA has yeah. got a tentative deal, so that puts us in a weird position. But um, besides that, you know, I'm doing good. I'm just working on stuff. I'm trying to prepare for when we do come out of the strike. Um, I mean, that's the best thing I can do um, to stay sane. Um, I'm gonna try to go on vacation shortly, so hopefully we okay. strike a little longer, so I can be free and not be <laughs> like 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 having to rush back. <laughs> after you know, uh, come back but we'll see we'll see yeah that's funny um yeah i got i got an email this morning or a text this morning about the D, the dga and i was like i haven't read it yet because i don't want to mess up my day so well, yeah you don't, to, <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to please yeah. 
I hear there's some good things in there though. So that's, I, I don't know. I, I got to review it for myself and see what's what. But I agree. I think we definitely were all concerned when they didn't show up at our big event the other day. We were like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, what does that mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's fascinating. Um, anyway, all right. Well, if you guys are grown, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. Today, we got the sis in the building, DMA. You guys, some of you guys have heard of her. She's been around for a long time, out there representing for writers big time. Um, what? What did I say, DMA? <laughs> Not kidding. I have been around a long time. <laughs> you ain't been 19, girl. Um, <laughs> we're you child prodigy. You are a child prodigy. A child prodigy here. That's how it is. <laughs> how it is. Executive strategist herself, uh, uh, doing so many things to production companies, um, professional organizer, organizer uh, education. Um, uh, edu- Why well, am I forgetting all my thoughts right now? Um, uh, what I want to call you, some author. Of- She's an author too. Yes. She's written. She's written books. Some amazing yes. books. You know that, that both of us have read and loved and enjoyed and and uh, and have learned a lot from. So, um, and uh, and and uh, you said an educator teacher. I mean, the the first time I met you, uh, there was a seminar you gave that uh, that our buddy Ron McCants set up, and that was like so unbelievably helpful for me. So, I mean, like maybe, uh, you know, the script I had that we kind of talked through, um, I retooled it and then, and, and that was helpful for me to get on the Star Trek. So I really, really appreciate yes. that. You know, it was, it was, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a great, yeah. Chris talks about this at least every 10 episodes. Let, like let's make no, let's make it every four. No, <laughs> those are my favorite stories, right? Because yeah. those are really those are really low touch things, right? It's like you, yeah. hey, come, you know, hang with people. We all enjoy being around. We all go way back, and let's just let's just talk craft. Um, and so, anytime I get a note, you know, uh, an, an update that someone just had basically an hour and a half kind of engagement, you know, and took their craft to, you know another place with it is just mm-hmm. mind blowing and exciting for me. So that, that thrills me. And I just loved everything you did, by the way, on the show. Everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was, yeah. I just remember there was a, you know, it was, I, th- I think the, you know, the thing is, is that people started asking me, what did I do out, you know? And I was like, well, I got to tell you, I took this seminar and, and, and here's the thing you got to worry about. You have to be so aware of those first 10 pages. And if you're not aware of those first 10 pages, the power of that, then you're really, um, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be beneficial for you. It doesn't matter. Like if you got the great twist on page 20 or you in really, really strong that people are not going to get there unless you handle that first 10. And it was a really, really interesting. I mean, I mean, like, like just that whole afternoon was so helpful for me. So, and it's something I talk to people about all the time. I mean, people are always asking me, I mean, you know, I like, you know, to, to turn them on to your book, but I think, you know, I, I mean, I show people stuff all the time and say, get this book, do this. This is, I mean, it's, Look, I can't tell you the best because I'm not the best teacher on this, but because because I was taught from someone amazing. So, you know, that's the that's the thing I say. I want to I love what you said. And I want to just talk about how I came to that understanding myself, because I started in this, you know, on this side of the conversation, first of all, writing plays. Where where uh, are you from, Jimmy? Anyway. I'm from everywhere. I was actually born in Texas. I came to California okay. very young as an as an infant, right? And uh, mm-hmm. but then left here uh, 
during elementary school and went to Detroit and then came back here junior high uh, in high school. So I'm from a lot of places. I think of myself as a Californian because most of my, if you count all the years, most of my years and my consecutive years were certainly in California, Northern or Southern. um, And then half of my adult life in New York, um, where people who talk as fast as I do and are perhaps as as straightforward (laughs) speaking as I am really fit in quite nicely. I was quite refreshed by New York. Um, I've lived overseas, you know, but you know, nothing beats, nothing beats California. And I want to go back to what you said, Chris, because my very first, well, my first actual job in television, my paid job in television was in the early version of the, of the writing program. What we, Mm -hmm. back in the day, I think it was like the Touchstone Disney Fellowship. It was, you know, it's a very, very different thing. Um, than it is now. It's such an extraordinary, you know, machine now. Um, but that first job, right after that, I was a reader for, you know, a massive, massive production company. And nothing has influenced me as a writer, a producer, or, or an executive more than the time I spent on that incredible CE's desk. Because he was really intent on teaching me what he knew, but then he was also quite invested in what I was bringing from all of the, you know, they used to do so much training. You had to do all the seminars. You had to have all the lunches with all the the gurus. And I just kept saying, oh, it's got to be easier than this. Like, wow, we're 700 pages in. I'm, you know, I'm three days in. Like, it kind of seems like it's, and I remember, you know, that first weekend stack as a reader just saying, oh, I won't be reading 30, you know, 120 page (laughs) documents. You know, now I see what we're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. I'll either know in these first, these are the things I've been trained to look for, right? I'll, they're either there or they're not. And I either know I don't need to read further, or I'm really excited to read further, but I know what I'm looking for so I can. And I just exactly. you know, it changed exactly. my life because they couldn't believe my, the depth of my coverage. And they kept giving me bigger and bigger stacks and they moved me to books. And I just kept saying it's easier than this and got, you know, for what many people believed was ahead of myself, you know, started doing a filmmaking seminar, which I did for like five years. Mm-hmm. Um, that was deconstructing the like the big, hot, independent film of this year. So we would bring the director and the producer and say, how did you go from where everyone in the audience is right now, like trying to get there to the big, hot, sexy film? You know, you know, Real Women Have Curves was one of the films that we wrote. This is way mm-hmm. back, right? But I taught the screenwriting portion. And everyone's like, what? You know, I, I, I'd like optioned two scripts at that point. I was like, no, I, I, I have to interject one little thing, yes. if you don't mind, DMA. You oh, I know what you're going to say. No, no, watch this. You were literally okay. my favorite person who's ever, who I've ever taken a class or workshop from ever. Oh, I didn't know you were going to say that. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say yes. that you came to Movie in a Box because I'm pretty sure we met at Movie in a Box earlier. Yeah, I met you on. like 20 years ago almost. It was yeah, yeah. So time. I was like, I'm pretty sure we met at one of those seminars. Oh, that means a lot. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You, you and Lisa Bolacaja, who you know also, yes. were two of my favorite people who when you instruct, I'm just like, I, I might as well just stop. Like, there's just something about the way you guys teach and engage. Just so smart, so bright. And you make it yeah. so simple. Yeah, That's the dream. Yes. That's the dream. So when you say, you know, first 10, uh, it's so easy if you think about it. It's not easy to write an extraordinary first 10, mm-hmm. but it's easier than writing an extraordinary, you know, 28 or you know, 43 or 110. You know, it's, right. it's certainly easier than that. So I'm, I'm, that makes me happy that it resonated. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing just to, you know before you, I think the thing to me is there's a mindset that the writers have about I want to tell this story. I have this there's this turn that meant something to me that I think is going to mean something to other people. And it's, you know, and that's what like is, I mean, that's the, that's the fire that's keeping you as the writer going, like knowing I want to get here. But the thing is, is so, and to really kind of bring your mind to like, you'll never get there. You'll never get people to, to, to want to experience that moment of relief, that joy of, of feeling seen until you like, and, 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 and that setup, that setup is so important. I remember, I remember, you know, after that seminar we had, I, I went back and just watched about 10 movies and hey. watched the first yep. 10 minutes. Yep. Yes. And, and, and the thing is, and it was all movies that I that I knew and I loved, and, I, and there's a reason why I love them. But I was like, let me just watch these ten minutes, the top, and just and and just apply what you were you know talking to us about to all these movies that I already knew that I loved and that I knew how they worked in terms of like what they were doing emotionally, like later on how they ended, like why the end worked. So, but I was like, okay, but but just let me see if that moment that you need to go is working. And then, you know, you go back and a lot of those movies I had scripts on, I would kind of go back and look at, see, see how they were handling it on the page, which is so important yes. to, to understand, you know, because, you know, there's always these tricks that people say like, Hey, first 10 minutes, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, but first 10 minutes of a movie is starting when is it starting when the picture stops, you know, when the first picture of the story starts, or the first picture of the frame stops. Cause a lot of times people like, like get that confused. And I think that, uh, and that, so you might say 10, like 10 minutes or 10 pages in the script might be seven minutes in the actual movie, you know, because of the pacing, the pacing and things like that. But, you know, that's just letting you know that, okay, the production of it is going to speed up what you're doing, but you still got to, but you still got to hit, you still got to like capture everyone with the magic that you're trying to set up like there in those first 10, you know? And the thing is it works. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go, go. Oh, and the thing is, it's crazy because it, it works for movies and for TV. Because I remember, yeah. like, in, in, in your seminar, we were doing it for a television show, not for a movie. And I was like, okay. But, I mean, because you were talking about a movie, but but we were dissecting a television pilot, which I thought was a little hard for some of the people in the class to kind of, like, shift their brains around. But it's like, it's the same thing. It's ultimately, like, the value the storytelling is, you know, I don't have much time to, to, to waste your attention. And, and that, to me, was, like, I, I think the best part, you know, so... I love that. And that's a perfect setup for for like this kind of one, two, I want to add to that. Mm-hmm. The reason it's the same and it's the same for books, right? And the reason it's the same for plays, for everything is the shift that the writer who's just really invested in craft. And I loved what you said. There's the story I really want to tell. The first layer of that is that when we think of that, the first place we're kind of approaching it from is from plot. Mm-hmm. But the first 10 pages is not setting up plot or world it's setting up character there are right. these, there are these phases of character that we have to set up so people will be invested in the journey right and so if you're spending 10 pages telling me the posters on their wall and what music is in the background and here's the here's the skyline of the the skyline shot of the city that they're living in <laughs> you can pull all of that out right yeah. you're not the director you're not the music supervisor you're not costumer right 
all I need from you as the writer, and I say all in quotes because it's so important, everything rests on it, is the character, where, where is that starting point, you know, what, so that I'll understand the arc that they're going to, right? And so the, the, when you're working, even with incredibly established writers, the first thing you're doing is peeling away everything that's not about character in the first 10 pages, but that feels awesome because yeah, this happened or yeah, I want to, you know, you know, I want to talk about this thing. It's like, we're going to pick all of this up and put it, put it aside for a second. And you know, when I'm doing exercises, when I'm developing a project with someone, the stuff that we're doing, you know, we're going to write the first three hours of their day, every single minute, like, I, I want to understand, I want you to reveal character by having them brush their teeth, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to reveal ca- character by having them literally lift the lid and go to the bathroom because especially in television, writing is about the moments of a person's day. Um, and, and, and as the moments become a bit more peculiar and unexpected in the beginning, how much they fight to retain the norm. So that's the first part of that, right? Is like that shift is, is don't write about what's happening in the character's world, right? When, you know, what happened to the character? Tell me what the character is doing uh, and, and responding to, you know, in the world so that they're driving mm-hmm. this experience. The second piece of that is the reason I think we get very plot happy as writers, right? Mm-hmm. Is because a lot of times these characters, you know, in my world all of the time, those characters are informed, you know, by me. And that's a bit vulnerable. That's a bit, mm, so I'm going to write the exterior, right? I call it writing from the outside in. Then this happened, and then, then you know, about it on, then this person. And we get these very passive protagonists mm-hmm. because I don't want to put myself in my, in my kind of flawed, friction-filled, you know, self onto the page uh, because I'm the innocent. When this happened, I was the good person. And then you have to jump <laughs> and say, no, no one wants to read about good people or watch TVs about watch TV shows about good people. They want to read about human people who, while this may have worked for you when you were here in this new environment, you are really struggling and we want to see you grow through that so that we can feel like we can grow through it. That's where the hope comes from. Um, DMA, anyway. how did you, how did you, at what point did you decide to write 135? The, uh, first of all, that's peace. I'm just going to apologize. <laughs> okay. um, the 135 I wrote right at the end of a really extraordinary experience. I'd been working about 12 years as a writer, a producer, and then a showrunner, then a production production company head, head in mm-hmm. Unscripted. And in, in, in Unscripted, I had none of the friction I'd had in Scripted explaining story to people, right? Because you're getting way too many hours per episode that you've got to get down to 43, you know, 30 or whatever your, your clock is. Right. And so you would explain, you know, you're, we're not here to put a chronology together of what happened in this day. You know, we need to find these three points um, in the day or in the week for these characters. I need to see where they said no. I need to see, you know, and, and there was no friction. Everyone would be like, oh, oh, oh. And it gave my editors or my story producers a way to to easily get through huge volumes of footage. Mm. And at around the same time, or just before, I had taught a screenwriting course, because I started as a screenwriter at UCLA Extension Writers Program, mm-hmm. and it was called Writing Your Life into a Movie. Um, and so it was all of these people who were trying to take theirs or someone else's story to write bi- biopics or you know autobiographical pieces, and it was the same thing. It's not, it's not yeah, a chronology of the person's life. It's not you know a cradle to grave or you know a wiki script. It's literally, you know, usually you you go to the sacrifice moment there. You go to the third beat of the character arc. You find when they finally learn something and let 
something go and grow. And then you take that and you work backwards to find the midpoint mm-hmm. and the starting point. And as I explained, everything before the rejection um, is a really beautiful, you know, color desaturated shot, you know, probably slow motion tracking <laughs> shot. And everything after the sacrifice is going to be a, a title card. You know, you know, he would go mm-hmm. on to win 14, you know, title, you know, you know, bouts or whatever. And so I had this whole system together, but I was still, still doing notes on scripts, right? And being sent, you know, um, development, you know, request, you know, notes from my producer friend saying, can you help me, you know, turn something around? And I just thought, mm-hmm. Mm-mm. <laughs> this is so easy. And so I, I literally went to a Barnes and Noble, you know, or, you know, and, and sat at the cafe, um, had, you know, I'd been giving these presentations, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of workshops at that point for more than 10 years. And I mm-hmm. literally just wrote the presentation out. And that was the, the original kind of bones of the book. And then I just went through and just started writing it. So that mm. was almost 20 years ago. I, t- wow. I talk about how when people ask me what's their favorite book, yours is my number one favorite book, by the way. Thank you. And then the other is, is uh, another book um, about the sequence approach, right, by Paul Joseph Guillermo nice. or something like that. Um, <clears throat> lots of similarities in simplicity. That's the thing I'm always looking for, yes. how to make it simple. Um, but I'll never forget, you break down um, Kramer versus Kramer. Oh, my gosh. And the way you do it keeps it so simple. And you always talk about the theme is one thing. Whereas you said, that's where I learned the whole thing that, and Chris and I talk about it a lot, where you'll be talking to a writer, you've read their script, and you're like, I had an issue. I wasn't figuring out what the, what the theme was. I'm like, oh, it's about love and romance. And I'm like, whoa, that's the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I figured that out through working with you and reading the book and whatever, understanding that the sim- that if you can keep that theme running in every single moment, you know, it simplifies and makes it so easy to understand that you never jump out going, what the fuck was that movie about again? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right there. Yes. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, no, I, 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 see, uh, that's the thing that I love too is the thing that I do when I'm you know I've done a few drafts of something I print it out and I get three uh, different colored um, pens I get like a blue a green and a red and I do a draft that's like dialogue only in blue I just read the dialogue I do a draft that's the action in red and I just do the action because it's a different brain set, you know? And then I take the green pin and I go through the scenes and and I say, am I hitting the theme in this scene? So I hit the theme, right? It's just a theme pass that I'm using the green pin and I go, oh, and I'm reading everything at that point, but I've already made all these other changes. I'm thinking about, oh, this moment doesn't, it's cool moment, but it's not hitting the theme the right way. So maybe I got to come back and change this scene or, oh, I like the theme in this, but maybe it's a little too heavy handed. So maybe I, I need to kind of like, you know, just put in the subtext a little bit, but I, but, but doing that theme draft or that theme pass was so crucial for me to kind of just like stay focused. Cause I want, it also helps you say, I don't need this scene. 
oh, there's a scene that's really it's working on so many levels. Yes. It, but, but I don't need it because it doesn't do anything for the theme, and it's, so it's not doing it's not doing it's only doing single duty or double duty. It's not doing triple duty, and it's it's very important. Now that's not every scene, but you know, obviously, but there's key, but you're, but if you're looking at like page count, everyone is like, hey, your script's gone along, and you're at sixty five. You want to get to fifty five? It's like go through and think about okay. And, and and that's part of what I do. And then you can think about like how to combine scenes or at the same time you'll see, I already covered this part of the theme in this scene. So I don't need this other scene because I'm, I'm being repetitive. It might just be a plot moment, you know? And I think a biggest yes. thing with television yes. is the, the, the plot moments can all go because it's like next episode, what is that next episode? I keep pushing it. You know, like there's a fear that, that you want to say so much, particularly in pilots, you want to put it and it's like there. you don't. You, and we all, as you and you, all, I relearned it every time. It's like you don't need to tell them a story. You don't need. To, I mean, you just, like, like tell me the people, keep me interested in them, and that's why someone wants to come back. Like people don't want to come back so much if the ending is like the house blowing up, and you know, I mean, yeah, I mean that's it's thing, but it's like. I want to come back because I love those people and I want to see how they respond to the house blowing up, not just the house blowing up, you know? And that's the thing about like why you really got to do that theme pass to think about what you're doing to, to bake it into your characters a lot more. And, that's, and again, that's something that I learned a lot from the book too. So, yeah. I, and let's talk about the writing process. I love that you said, no, let me say, say something you just said. If the house is blowing up, I want that to be the first scene. And then it could be four episodes that I will stay yeah. to find out, well, wait, how did we get from here to the house blowing up? Let's just start there. So that's exciting. Um, I think it, it particularly in television, when we're talking about the theme, it's, it's be recognizing it's internal. It's not things that are happening in the world, right, that, that I want to talk about in my script. It's what is that kind of single core value that my main character is going to struggle with and evolve around and resist right. and lean too hard into and fall back from over the course of whatever, this movie, you know, this, this limited series, this, you know, 100 episode arc and the beautiful thing about the theme uh one is and i'm going to especially say in television in television is in the writing process you know you're not allowed to really start from the script you gotta you gotta break things you gotta put your board up and so if i have a theme in front of me and we do these in the workshops you guys have been in the workshops you know Mm -hmm. like i say okay you know you know how many people have never seen you know like black is just was a perfect show for the most part. I mean, just a perfect, perfect show from pilot forward. And so you explain how to find the theme, right? And then you're like, okay, so now if I have to find a hundred episodes talking about assimilation, even if you've never been a wealthy black executive, you know, with a mixed race wife and, you know, painfully gorgeous children, right? Living in this white neighborhood, <laughs> working at this white company, right? Yeah. How have you struggled with or been impacted by assimilation? And then in five minutes, you can fill a board in a room full of people who have never, Mm-hmm. ever you know been dre right who've never been that character but themes are that's what we talk about the universality of theme driven characters so now i can take a look at that and say which which of these are going to be served by the kind of the rejection phase of the series as we move into the embrace phase as we move into the sacrifice phase and I laugh because years ago, you know, I've, I've always, you know, spoken this this particular pilot up, you know, as one of the examples of a perfect pilot. And and I would then say, you know, when this show, you know, may it never end, but when it ends, you know, they have to move back, you know, mm. 
to their heights or wherever it's going mm-hmm. to be, but they're going to have to sacrifice assimilation <laughs> to be a better person to make the world a better place. What we don't know is how they're going to do that. We certainly didn't expect that kid to show up, right. but the kid was perfect because the kid becomes the reason having learned all they've learned with the original children. It's like, you know what, this time we're going to do this, you know, with the people, but it was, it had to go there. And that's why right. it was very satisfying and seasons where they stepped out of those that, that kind of conversation, then you saw some pushback, like, well, this isn't what the show is, like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, blah, da, da. Um, the other piece I love, what you said about pilots, um, and, you know, that we try to cram so much in a pilot. The number one thing, you know, when I'm developing a project with someone, and we do the same thing, it's like, here's the comp shows I want you to watch. Um, but the first thing you do is like, I want you to put a clock on all of the pilots. I want you to come back to me with pilots that last longer than a day, mm. right? Because again, moments of the day, moments of the day. So when I'm looking at a script and, you know, you know, t- there's a two weeks later in the pilot, I'm like, oh, we're writing a film. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Two weeks later is not really a TV thing. Right. You know, I mean, unless it's really high jinxy level comedy right. and they just want to do it for the funny, you know, old fashioned, you know, smash cut laugh. Right. I, that's just not a thing. I need to know what happened two minutes later. Um, and, and, and how that has already incrementally shifted my character. So in the writing process, by not starting at the script, you get to throw all the ideas, you know, on the board. You get to throw, you know, some type of semblance of order into the beat sheet, you know. And by the time you're writing the script, you should be, you know, at dialogue and inspiration. Yeah. Because everything right. else you, fi- you figured out. And some of that's going to change. But if you try to do all of it at once, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of, of of yourself. And it's going to ultimately be too much to ask of your of your audience, whether it's a reader or a producer or just, you know. Yeah, you know, that's a really – the point that I – I was reading something somewhere and it made me think about, like you said, asking too much. Someone was talking about cognitive load. And I was Ooh. like – Oh, wait a minute. That's the biggest thing to think about when you're writing a pilot is like you can't put too much cognitive load on anybody. And be, and the thing is, is that it's so hard as a writer because you've got, you know, like five tons of material in your head that you want to get out. And you're like, oh, I want to get it down. And you're like, you can't because no one can. And it doesn't matter how awful you are creating the characters and doing, doing all the stuff that you got to do. But because you can't put that much pressure on someone. You can't put that much pressure on someone's brain. They won't be able to to digest what's happening, and you ultimately start like like scenes starting scenes start getting shorter and shorter because you're trying to because you're trying to like put too much on me. And if you shorten the scene, then the audience doesn't get to relish the moment of that you're talking about in the scene. You know, yeah. you know, it's like you know, it's, it's it's sort of like I was trying to explain to someone one time the other day about. Uh, there's the opening to uh, to um, romancing the stone, and I was like, the minute she finishes the the, the little telling the story and finishes the book, and she gets up and walk around her apartment, and you see like she's neglected all her stuff, the cat, the cat food, the 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 uh, um, the, the the tissues. It's like that's everything about her. You learn all this about her, and it's and it's sort of like a longer scene. You're like, oh, this woman can't even really survive 
in an apartment in New York. <laughs> you know, she can't. She having trouble. She having trouble doing that right. right. You know. So the minute, so the minute, so the minute that call comes, come down to Cartagena to save your sister. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's not gonna be able to do that at all. That's she can't. Yeah, it's not gonna work out at all. But that's when you know, like, that's the journey. Can she yeah. do it? It's the biggest thing that you're that you're thinking about because you spent those moments. And I was trying to say to some, so I, I, I was like, look. You're showing someone's life. It doesn't have to be all this stuff. Like, you know, there's a way to like crystallize it down so the audience can really see what it is. And it makes it, and it's, it's very, like, we're not seeing her make breakfast. We're not seeing her like get dressed. We're not doing all this stuff because it's just like this one little moment of she's neglectful and it shows up in the cat and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's. And in her own hygiene, but it's like that is that moment of okay, I've done enough. And you, as the as the writer, have to know when you've done enough. You know, like like with the audience, and let them move on to the next moment because you know that's when they start having to like keep too many de- and use usually too many details. So you're like putting too many details out, and that just like just that the load gets higher and higher, and they're carrying a backpack to that next scene, and it's like hold on a minute, I don't need to carry that. You know, well, so okay. First of all, I'm taking backpack with me when we go. Um, here's the here's the thing I love to tell people: the beginning of your script. I want you to stop telling me where your character is, and I want you to start showing me who the character is. Stop telling me where they are, and start telling me who they are as mm-hmm. easily, simply, and cleanly as possible. And when you're watching down comps, I always say, watch every show, and I want you to watch how many times the opening shot is a close up on the main character. Right. Because because everyone knows I'm just here to establish that central trait of the main character. You know, so I I usually have no idea what city I I am in. I usually have you know no idea who else. It's usually a close up of some sort of the main character, which is very relaxing. Um, And then it's not just the 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 just overburdening of the first 10 pages, even when you go to the pitch. And trying to vomit the entirety of the show, the beat by beat of the pilot script, and for for first hand and for pitches, I use the expression bread breadcrumbing, right? That you have right. to literally breadcrumb me. I, I get one piece of information at a time, um, and it and it's only what I need to understand the next piece of information. Um, and by the time I at the next little piece of information, I should have been able to release the ones before. So you're just literally like, okay, come here, and mm-hmm. then. And then, and then, and these very vivid, clear, you know, thematic, you know, memorable, simple sentences. I don't like commas or semicolons, you know, (laughs) in in pitched materials. You know, we write scripts out, right? I don't want any of those things. Um, I definitely just thrive on uh, just keeping it simple, but also keeping it like, here you go. So I always, you know, I tell people, get your flashlight out and I want you to talk to the five-year-old who's hiding mm-hmm. under the, the blankets. And I want you to pitch the show to the five-year-old and people fight it. They DMA. fight it. Chris Do you fight I, all the time? Chris and I, when we write our pitches, we write them in beats. So it's all beaded through the whole thing. It's not, we don't have big blotches yes. of, it's just. Uh, yeah, it's just bullet points. It's just bullet points. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the, 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 the thing about that you both pointed out is, 
you don't have to memorize everything. You just memorize those, whatever, those 12 bullet points. And that could be a lot of information. And that allows you to be off book. And it allows you to kind of read the room and speed up or slow down, depending on what's happening. Cause, and you know, like, like where you are every time, every time, every time. I, I, I think, I think what I love about what you just said is about, about making it simple. You know, there was, a, um, you know, right, right. I, I was telling Hillier he has to read the Steve Jobs book. You know, and he's reading it now. Amazing, yeah, yeah, and and it's amazing. Yeah, but Steve Jobs has this quote that is the the ultimate. It's like simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, because if you can like feed it, like you said, the breadcrumbs, which is so simple, and they can digest it. Then the cool thing about that is that causes their mind to to the, like makes their imagination fire, and that's yeah. and and then that's less work for you to do, you know. Yeah. So like, hey, it's, you know, and and that's 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 the beauty of being as simple as you can. Now the thing is, it's hard to be simple. It's really hard. It was everything being simple and simplistic, and, and everyone thinks you mean be simplistic, but it's like no, like I, I, I need it so that I mean, you know, I, I hear you. Like you've heard how Jobs is like trying to move everything down to so base these basic things that it's like I just want you to be able to pick it up and not think about it, and it's like that's it's been it's been helpful for me just in the stuff I'm doing right now. But I'm like that's what everyone needs to know and think about because it'll make your job pitching and writing and breaking the story whatever it is so much easier you just have to think about what is simple what is the thing you know we, 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 we there was a phrase we always used to say in the star trek room with some we all weeks on trying to figure something out and then we and then we'd crack it and the show went and he'd come in and he would say that's very clean that's very okay. clean and, and the minute he said that we we're okay cool we're good Let's go to the next. Let's go to the next. You know, to the next episode. The next episode, because he, because because he's not there all day. He's coming at the end to kind of hear to hear us. You know, like pitch it to him back, and so he doesn't have. He understands what we're trying to do, but he's not in. The, but he's not in the weeds, and and to not bog him down in the weeds, it's got to be clean. And I was like, that's like the the. I mean, and that was always the ultimate compliment for us whenever we were working. Yes. He'd come in and say that. So, well, when someone tries to explain a beat, right now, first wait, let me back up. I believe in scripted pitches, and I believe in Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and the writer having the script right in front of their face oh, yeah. and reading it's it to me. Yes. Right? It just yes. like that has been game changing. Yes. You will never get me back into a physical room uh, to hear a pitch. Because um, <laughs> I was like, this is not Broadway. You know, I, you know I'd rather have you be a terrible reader with a great idea. Uh, so I, I just, oh. I love the thought of being, I truly do love the thought of being off book because it does have to be clean to be off book. And the thing I want people to embrace is the pitches are about characters, right? right. By the time I get to the pilot, I understand who these characters are. I understand the dynamic. So I can kind of get through my, the, just the big furniture pieces of the pilot, because at that point, to your exact point, they're filling in blanks. Oh, of course she's going to. Like, I'm always excited when someone on, you know, now that I'm on the wrong side of the table again as a producer, I'm always excited when a buyer starts, you know, you know, uh, you know, black theater goer, you know, responding to the pitch, right? It's like, oh my gosh, when the pitch goes to the magic, as I like to call it, okay, we're going to the magic. Oh, 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 is she gonna, is she? And I was like, yes, they get our characters because the pilot, baby, that's not, there is nothing in the pilot that is remaining if you, you know, if you get the green light, if you, nothing from that original pilot is making it to screen, nothing. Mm -hmm. 
right? So, so just release the pilot. The only reason there's any piece of the pilot in the pitch is to show you that I know what I'm going to do to create conflict and advance story and arc my character, you know, based on these delicious characters I've just gotten you excited about. So I always tell people when they're writing, once we're into plot, once we're into like, here's the beats of the show, if the word because shows up, something's gone wrong. Right. Because you right. should have preset and breadcrumbed that. So by the time this choice comes, it is clear why the choice has come because there was a breadcrumb a couple beats back. That's what I love about breadcrumbing is, you know, there's no complex or compound sentences in in, in scripts. There's Just a, simple ones. As somebody who's heard hundreds of, scr- of pitches and done <laughs> dozens of them myself, I have figured out for myself, here's an interesting thing that I like that I do, and I like when writers do it. And I'm just curious to get your both of you guys' thoughts. One of the things that I always do is I always plant some information in the opening. For example, I might give you a stat of something that I'm about to talk about, right? And I'll come back later and go, remember I told you about how in the 1800s there were only four black marshals? What if I was to tell you? But And I'll come using it. I'm always planting these little seeds that in the end when I bring it all together – it's it, it all comes together, you know, so I'm Love always that. giving these little plants so that it keeps you going where you're like, oh, I can't wait to learn what that thing was. So I'm keeping you curious. That's the breadcrumb. That's you know, the, yeah, the whole it's, thing. It's sort of breadcrumb. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, no, I mean, I love that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I always end up coming back to it. And I usually plant three of them. I plant one in the beginning. I where I, where okay. I set up a question for you. You, 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 what, you ever know what it's like to be such and such? I'll get to that. Boom. You know what I mean? And I'll move on and I'll bring mm-hmm. it back again. Remember I was telling you about such and such? Here's what it is. But I'm going to tease you with that. Now I'll come back to that. You know what I mean? I'm always doing little things like that. And I love when other writers do it, when I listen to it too, because mm-hmm. I feel like they have a grip on it. If they could tell a story and have me leaning at the end, edge of my seat, they could also do the reverse for, like you said, during the pilot moment. Even if I Absolutely. zoom out, because I do zoom out during the pilot because it's plot a lot. You know, a lot of times people. Yeah. Good. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, the plot, this, you know, I tell people this, I've been telling people a lot. What we, what I saw in Star Trek was whenever we would do really elaborate plot stuff that was so like, you know, all this sci-fi type of cool stuff. Um, a lot of times Terry would come in and say, we can't afford to do that. It's really cool, but, but, but we can't afford to do that. Mm-hmm. But, but, but he, but he used to say, but I love that moment. So figure out how we, we can do that moment. And it was really a question of, there was an emotional turn that was happening in something that was really, you know, like explosive. And it was like, we, so we, since we can't do that, let's find some other place that we can afford to do that still has that emotional turn because, and, and that, and, and, and that made me realize that the plot stuff is so interchangeable and the room is going to come up with all the ideas of the plot. You, they're all going to throw out what's the best idea. What's the best idea. What's the best 
idea. But until you know why something's going to turn a character to like be like, you know, someone who's not on your side is now on your side. Okay. What's the moment that that's, that's what that scene's got to do. That's how we're going to end the act. Right. And it doesn't matter where that happens, but that's what, but, but, but to know that that's what's going to happen at the end of the act is the key thing. And that's where all the plot stuff becomes superfluous, particularly when you're given the pitch, because it's like, it could be anything. It, it could be what you do in your mind. You're thinking, well, we could do this for, you know, this is a $5 million episode show. Oh no, it's going to be, it's going to be 20. And you're like, wow. So now we got you yet. Yeah, you can build up more. It's all kind of fungible, but that emotional moment is not. And that's what you have to like. And, and, and so I've been taking that, that concept more and more the stuff I've been working on after that show because I didn't mm-hmm. you know it's not something you think about you don't you're so worried about you know is the writing right is blah 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 and you just there's all these other things you're trying to like figure out when you're writing that pilot and trying to break in but it'll make it easier when you're um, that I'm writing the next pilot or this one didn't work well or whatever it is or just gonna have another sample is if you just know what like like I like uh, the thing you you said I love is the big furniture like if you know th- what that is and if you can tie that to some emotional thing for the character that you've established in the art you know in that setup about oh this is gonna like make them like believe this or, or not believe this or it's gonna it's gonna challenge their internal values you know then you can find all these like these different locations like you said the where of that all that can be decided later you know but it doesn't matter what the where is if you don't know what the other stuff is up front so and i, I love i'm going to combine I, I, whoo, this is awesome you guys you said zoom out and it just immediately because the phrase i like to use is we get to zoom in mm. in a pitch especially about the, the the plot and i'm putting air quotes around that you know the plot of the pilot because i'm not here to tell anyone the plot of the pilot no one across the table who's got a check cares about the plot of the pilot they all know that they're going to decide what the plot of the pilot is but what i get to do right when i zoom in uh and this is you know piggybacking also on what you said chris is you know i love to tell writers the pitch is the last time you're going to be able to put what the character is thinking and why they're doing something on the page after that you can only show me but in the pitch i want you to get to that big furniture and I want you to I want you to add what is the mental and emotional process because you'll never get to, to tell someone this again. So I want you to say, you know, and Anna, who is not about to be taken out like that, steps up to the plate and says, oh, no. And they're like, what? You can't do that. I was like, not only will you do that, yeah. you will watch the executives because I was the person for many mm-hmm. years waiting to care about the character. They'd be like, oh, wait a minute. Now I'm getting into Anna's mind. Now I'm getting into her spirit. Now I'm getting into her heart. And you'll never get to do that again. After that, with your five or 20 million, whatever you've got for that episode, after that, you have to show it. Right. When I'm reading scripts and I see all of this interior monologue in the, you know, in the description, it's like, take all of that out and show it to me. Right. You must right. show this to me. You can't explain it to me because if I'm in the theater or if I'm on the couch, I'm not seeing that, you know, unless you're writing a play and you're giving me, you know, Shakespearean asides, right? There you after the pitch, but if it's not in the pitch, you've lost an opportunity to kind of explain. And that's the purpose of the pitch is to say, here are the four or five characters you're going to care about for these hundred episodes. And I'm going to make them so clean and clear and compelling and funny. And I'm going to 
thread them to the next one using character dynamics, you know, you know, such and such as this, you know, the complete opposite is her best friend, you know, but da da da, you know, and just and build so much story. And, and this is part of redefining story. It's not plot. Right. And when I do workshop, you've been in the workshops, I always do the, you know, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I just tell a sequence of related events. And then everyone's like, well, that's not story. It's like, that is exactly right. The story involves a character, a set of values, conflict choices and change. Right. That's story. Uh, And and that's what you just have to set up in the pitch, not the plot of, you know, three seasons. But this is where this person is going to start. These are some of the ways we're going to challenge and change them now we're starting to see where my episodes might come from let me ask you a question right since we're talking about this this is great the, the, by the reason by the way i'm loving this episode because we don't get a oh chance gosh. to just talk craft 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 a lot a lot of time it's like little like 20 minute moments or 10 minute, you know what i mean so i'm yes. having a ball with this by the way um so here's something that i wanted to bring up here's one of the things that i noticed in scripts that and I'm curious from both of you guys' point of view that I notice. Here's where writer, here's where writers go wrong with their hero. They give them a job that doesn't pertain to how they're gonna have an arc. And here's what I mean. Say say it's it's a show about you know some regular person who's gonna you know, uh, uh, who gets caught up with some bad guys and goes on a run and they chase him throughout the whole show. Spitballing that. Mm -hmm. They didn't give him any kind of ability to be able to, when he has to go on a run to survive. Mm -hmm. Right? So every single thing that they go through, you don't buy that they could do it. Mm. So instead Mm. of showing us how actual there's a reason why they're always some former marine or some form, you know what I mean they do that intentionally on the the shows that work because you know that they could survive but you can't make an uh, make an, an everyday joe person survive and be able to pick up a freaking bazooka and all that stuff if they didn't have, they've never picked it up before you know right so because always, you're, you're, <laughs> my thought, I apologize keywords are funny so, so I'm always telling writers, <clears throat> when you think about your character and the thing they have to overcome, what is the skill they need to do it? That they didn't know that they needed to do it. You know what I mean? And that's going to help you. Instead, people are trying to be so clever and make them such a dorky character who can survive these things, but you don't buy it. That's the problem. You've got to establish a character who can, but didn't know they needed that ability to do it. You know, in my opinion. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I love that. I, I think that, you know, you have to see there's a movie that I remember seeing. Um, it's a French movie called Breathless. And it's, oh, yeah. it's not the it's not the famous one. It's one that came out like in 2012. Right. And it's about this nurse who's who he's a, it's a male nurse. He's at a hospital and there's a gangster that, is, that he's he's in charge of. And his wife is pregnant. His nine month pregnant wife gets kidnapped and he's supposed to give up the gangster for the thing. But he goes on this chase run thing to try to like is you know to save his wife and to save the gangster and all this kind of stuff like this but the thing that he does is that when he gets into little situations 
he's able to do things where he's able to use stuff that he's done that you know, oh, that's what a nurse knows how to do. There's little right. things he does from the hospital, like, oh, this is going to do that. I can do this. And it's it's so smartly done because it's like he's not – yeah, sure, he can run. Most people can run do like that. But he's not using a gun, you know. He's And I'm like, that's – smart because they are able to say he's got a base level of of a certain type of intelligence skill set because he's a nurse that'll help him in these other situations and I, and it's true people make the mistake of not doing that they just put people in these weird you know places like i was talking with a friend of mine the other day she had this character that she wants to be uh she's a housewife and she's going to become the, the resistance leader after this invasion and i was kind of like you gotta show me she's done something beforehand that she's given up or whatever it is there has to be i mean the thing is the thing that you can do is that maybe someone is not doing like you said the former marine right i'm not a marine anymore i but i have a skill set that i've put away and that's something that i think a lot of people don't feel um it's something that they overlook they do they, this it's overlooked all the time you know because because they're there's not thinking about i you know you know what it is it goes back to this thing we i want to talk about too about something that i want to get your thoughts on about what's the ordinary world what's the world that someone that they live in is ordinary and everyone's thought pattern on that is it's got to be boring you know oh. it's the ordinary world is is the boring world you know <laughs> and i was telling someone the other day in Saving Private Ryan, their ordinary world is storming that beach in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As crazy as that is, all that gunfire and shit like that, that is their ordinary world. Because mm-hmm. there's that one shot where Tom Sizemore has that shot of the canteens of all the mm-hmm. beaches they've been on. It's like, and you're like, oh, that's what they do. They go and storm, blah, blah, blah. The flip for them is to go find the one guy. And be in this kind of like subterfuge thing. That's like, it's like uh, so you think about the ordinary world, it can be storming the Normandy beaches. Is, is this, I mean, that's, and that's like the most violent scene people can talk about in cinema in terms of what was through to the characters, but they are used to that. And it's that is the thing about, again, what you go to here about the character. There's a like I have a job that doesn't help me, you know, and to, like like to solve the rest of it, you know, like you have to have that stuff in terms of designing what you're doing to make it so that the arc works correctly or, or that they can correctly do the arc, you know. Yeah, That's what I, mean, I think. I, I think that what I what I love about this is it takes us back to writing process and the and like the number one thing and this is for writers at truly every level. Um, it's just it's more important for emerging writers because they don't have all the other tools to fix it in post. Do you know what I mean? To like, okay, I'm at the script level. This doesn't work. Why does it not work? Yeah. If your writing process begins with fade in. And, and the story you want to tell, then you've missed all of these gorgeous, expansive, brainstorming moments that are going to make things stronger and better. And one of those is character mapping, right? And and once you've kind of figured out this character that is the, is the character that needs to be the heart of this, that we need to be challenged by, but rooting for and watching grow and arc, then you then have to take every single element of the world you're going to drop them in and map it for conflict, 
right? Mm. The, the, the cast of characters can't just be, you know, organic people in the world, which would be awesome. Or, you know, well, this is what we usually see in a sitcom. I have the, 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 the quick-witted receptionist and I have, you know, the, the, the you know, the uh, rogue dad. I, I don't know. You know, so instead of, of kind of writing again from the outside in, it's like if this person who I now understand the kind of core trait of this person, who do I need to surround them with to dimensionalize these, you know, the characteristics by the, by the nature of, of who they are so that they inherently create conflict when they come into the room. Some of that is organic and universal. If I have, you know, a mom and a teenage girl, right. Mm-hmm. Or a dad and a teenage boy, right. Like things that are so universal, most, uh, you know, audience goers can immediately fill in the blank. I have to do more work in character development when I'm dropping, you know, a, a worker into a workplace because, I, I just need to know uh, what the boss's personality type is and versus my main characters to see where their their dynamic is going to be. What is it going to be grounded in? But that also means where do they physically live? What do they do for a living? What and I and I love that additional thing you added, Chris, because even when we talk about, like you said, uh, a former marine, right? When when you said former marine, and then Chris, when you, uh, I'm saying you like anyone, <laughs> when you said. And Chris, when you said, um, uh, you know, and why did they give that up? Because even explaining the skill set has to be uh, grounded in where is the conflict coming from? Because everything in the story is by conflict, but conflict isn't defined by, oh, it's a screaming, yelling, fighting match, right? Conflict is defined by, you know, I want this and they want something different, right? Or, you know, I, you know, I am this and they are something different. That, that 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 can't reconcile with but it's also okay i'm a former marine because i was you know framed and dishonorably discharged so if you're going to send me back to do something you know for my country i got a problem with it because my country didn't take care of me before right mm-hmm. and yes it explains why i why why i can you know also handle this bazooka i can be laughing about the bazooka all day <laughs> yes this is why i can handle a bazooka but i also don't want to handle you know, a bazooka, because it's going to give me flashbacks. This mm-hmm. is, I don't do this anymore because the conflict of... So the elements of, of the writing process are so beautiful and critical and delightful because they keep you in an exploratory state until the point at which you typefade in and you literally, you have no other ways to get the story on the page. And, and then the writing process isn't so filled with friction. Mm, right, right. You're not lost. Right. You're not overwhelmed, right. right? Oh, you said something earlier. I just want to add when you said you can't, you know, overwhelm people, you know, flood them with so much information. And, at you know, ACF, you know, Hillier, I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. this one when we were doing the before and after for an established, you know, producer's script. And we put up on a screen, like, you know, the first page of, of the script. We were just going to talk through the first three pages without anyone reading anything. And they're like, well, we can't read that. We're like, we know. But for all the execs on the screen, what's the first thing that, you know, I mean, on the stage, what's the first thing you're seeing on page one and how do you react to it? And everyone said, there's so much white space. There's so much. I'm about to say the density or not. Is it dense or not? Yes. No, please do not give me that. The dense script. I I don't Mm -hmm. read it. If you if you've got paragraphs of script, everyone jumps to that first line of dialogue. Maybe I'm going to read the sentence before. So really being loving about the the slow drip of information, right? Mm-hmm. The IV drip level of, of, of writing dispensation. So I can survive it instead of being, you know, 
washed, uh, you know, away from shore. This is okay. why I encourage everybody to read Billy Ray because he's so lean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Billy Ray's great. Crazy. It was great like that. Hey, DMA. Um, before we let you go, uh, we have about oh my four, gosh. Yeah, it went by fast, didn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about what do you what, what do you want to talk about? Like, what are you what are you doing today? Anything that people could find you at? Where you, what's going on with you? Oh my gosh, there's so much going on. I, let me talk about about two things. About two sure. things. Um, the the first is is you know I'm a nerd, and this is we're getting ready to launch Corgi. Hillier, did you use Corgi yet, Chris? I know we no, haven't talked no. about it, right? We have so, not. We um, haven't. Uh, as a, you know, I am a MacGyver. I, I love to, you know, create tech that solves my problems. And then sometimes it's like, no, this is going to solve a lot of people's problems. And so Corgi um, is an application we're launching first as a Chrome extension. So you have all of your information in a Google sheet and it lets you visualize it um, on, you know, cards on a board. Uh, okay. Google Sheet, so index cards on a cork board or post-it notes on a whiteboard, but it's it's your data. We don't save any of your data. It's your data in a Google Sheet. You put it up on a board. So, you know, obviously all of my projects are boarded on Corgi. All of my my projects, the writers have Corgi boards and their story, you know, they're putting their story together and dragging and dropping and blah, blah. And then you can export it right back to Google Sheets in complete order. So I'm very just excited wow. to to share it because it was something that was a huge gap for me. Uh, and in the big piece, of course, is, is I want to keep my data on in my accounts. And also I just right. want it to be simple, just super simple. So uh, I'm very excited. I'm going to side contact you guys about it, but that will you know yeah, be yeah. coming out at the top uh, uh, as soon as the gray lifts away. Uh, and then... <laughs> Well, I'd love to put it. This is going to drop tomorrow, so I'd love to put this in the show notes if you don't mind. So you can. Send oh, okay. Then yes, okay. I will send you that, and then um, the uh, you guys know I have the, the books, and then I you know did the audio book uh, at last, and so the e courses uh, will start dropping you know this summer, and just really starting to lean more into trying to drip my own you know content, more social media assistance. I, I want people to. First of all, I, we've been boarding pilots in Corgi um, and showing the first 10 of, of pilots so that you can literally see, see how all of the cards are purple and the main character is purple and there's only a couple blue, right? So really trying to show, show, show more, tell less. Uh, and, uh, but there's uh, some really fun um, mini e-courses coming out just to try to help people character map, help people get that first three pages done, help people just give something concrete with exercises, you know, so if they have the book, that's great. But if they are trying to put their own product through the windmill, how can I help them um, through the gristmill? How can I help them get feedback of their own on their own product? Because that's what everyone wants the most. Here's my script or here's my beat sheet. How am I doing? Mm -hmm. Someone give feedback that I can, you know, trust. So, Is all that on Planet DMA? Uh, the new version of Planet DMA, which is literally, I'm doing notes on that right now. So it's a busy okay. summer for Planet DMA, but you know I'm going to come to you as each of the updates uh, drop. Uh, so uh, it's just been an extraordinary year and a half. I can't even describe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'm so, so sorry to cut this off so 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 quickly. No, no, I'm, I'm, no, no I'm, I'm, I mean, look. It, you know, like if you guys can keep talking, that's great. I just got to run. Oh, uh, DMA, right. it was 
Yes, it was, look, it was great seeing you again. It was great talking with you. I always learn so, so much. So I appreciate it. I very much, you know, like look forward to experimenting with Corgi. So it should be awesome. Sounds Can't awesome. Wait. Thank All you right. so, so much. Uh, uh, yes. Have a great call. Hilliard, as ever, it's always fun to connect. I'm always Indeed. grateful for our time together, for your energy and your excellence. Well, thank you so much, DMA. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on The Rant Room. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the rent room.